Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. I walk a straight line, shackled and chained. Oh, gruesome Gertie is calling my name. There is no mercy in this penitentiary. Just ask the Hillstring Gang, Wrangle the Three. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making. Complete story of America's bloodiest prison. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. So we get a ton of requests, y'all, and this is going to be a little different than we normally uh, do it, but we always switch it up. That's right. That's right. And and, uh, look, we've done some episodes, especially about the early times of Angola and when women were actually incarcerated there, and we talk to y'all about all that early history with with women being a part of bloody angola and through that i have received a ton of messages on well what happened to the women after uh you know they were they left angola and right. where, where do they sit now and so we've got a ton of information we're going to tell you about and it's centered around uh, what's known as LCIW which is Louisiana's uh Correctional Institute for Women uh, and uh, we're going to tell you all about that. As we told you in the past, initially those women were housed in Angola in what was known as Camp D. Right. So from 1901 to 1961, approximately 2,000 women were admitted to Louisiana State Penitentiary, and that represented about 4% of the penitentiary population. Right. Camp D, for, the, for y'all that may not know, was a group of three wood plank buildings, and they were located about a mile away from the ma- the male camps in uh, Louisiana State Penitentiary. And uh, in 1956, they were actually replaced by another camp known as the Willows. Yep. And the Willows is located within the perimeter of the penitentiary. Both those camps were nicknamed the Forbidden City, 
And that was kind of to allude to the fact that men were prohibited, obviously, from come over here. That's right. Approaching those women at the camp. But the metaphor kind of hides the reality of the women's living accommodations. Uh, It was, you know, quite honestly, the white male staff (laughs) back in back in those days, y'all. We're talking back in the in the crazy, crazy days. Uh, and some male prisoners did have some access to that. So the, the women were vulnerable and we've told mm-hmm. you in the past to sexual violence right. within, uh, those very early days. So in 1961, a female only prison was actually built in St. Gabriel, Louisiana, which is just outside of Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. And yes. so we're going to tell you all about it. So St. Gabriel is just outside of Baton Rouge, and it's along the Mississippi River. Uh, Actually, it's just south of Baton Rouge, y'all. And uh, in the early years, LCIW, each woman that was incarcerated, uh, they lived in their own cells with a toilet and a bed and at least one chair and a combination of desks and drawers. When that Later on, y'all got changed by lockers, the desks and drawers did. But housing assignments were made by classification committee, which they still are today, who made every effort to determine behavioral problems. And if a problem was found, the inmate was sent to a psychiatrist as soon as possible. So, y'all, nowadays, the classification officers were more about, you know, separating the gangs and people who might have conflicts from the street and everything else. Well, at least back then they were, you know, Certain percentage of the prison population is going to have mental issues. But each inmate had a three day orientation upon arrival, and the inmate lived in the infirmary during that orientation. That's in case they're detoxing or doing whatever, y'all, and then they got to figure out if they have mental issues. They had a physical exam and received instructions concerning the rules, regulations, and policies. Basically, that's the rule book we told y'all about in previous episodes. They have to sign and acknowledge, and if they can't read it, they they would read it for them and make them make their mark. But the most common work assignment was to the garment factory, which wasn't that wasn't the job you wanted, y'all. And, um, other assignments were clerical, I mean clerical, orderly, food service, laundry, and maintenance. Now, it's truly no surprise that after leaving LCIW, most women found employment working in a garment factory. The women were highly trained to use the machinery. And if they did well in the position, they were offered vocational sewing class. Uh, The vocational sewing class was a two-year program offered by the State Department of Education. They did not begin to earn a wage until after they had worked for six months. And after that, they received a whopping two to five cents an hour. Now, still, that's a lot in prison money there when you're making nothing. At the time, when an inmate had eight months or left, less remaining on her sentence before parole or discharge date, she became eligible for work release. Now, that is where you really make your money. As I read to y'all, and your Patreon members, thank y'all so much. I've read some of that to y'all in the, in the latest Patreon episode. Now, LCIW did not have a permanent physician or around-the-clock medical care at that time. Although two f- physicians they did have on retainer, and they would call them when they had issues, most women who were pregnant actually received their care at Earl K. Long Hospital in Baton Rouge, and they would give birth there. And that was, y'all, that was kind of in the center of Baton Rouge. It's no longer uh, open. It's right. torn down now. But 
uh, back in those days, that was the charity hospital, basically, for Baton Rouge. And, and was that way. Many a Saturday night there with, with mid 2000s. I spent many a Saturday night there with inmates that if you have it in the Department of Corrections, you have an emergency. Yeah, you still had to take them down there, right? So right. I saw some crazy shit in there. So in most cases, the parents or other relatives of the inmate would care for the newborn child once uh, uh, the inmate gave birth. Interestingly, the women were allowed to wear their regular clothes when not working on duty status or when they had visitations. And visitations were only allowed on the weekend. However, the women could correspond with nine people. Don't ask me why right. Why nine is the number, but nine people on their correspondence list, and those people could have serious, could not have serious criminal records for obvious reasons. Married women were not permitted to co- correspond with men who were not their husband or family, so they would actually yeah. watch that, look, looking out for the husbands, right? right. Uh, single women were not allowed to write married men outside their families. And LCIW actually chose which news media the women would watch or read, and the women had access to Protestant and Catholic religious services, but no other religion. Uh, most women attended services to receive good time. So they would actually right. get good time for attending church services. Women did not have access to a law library except through limited correspondence with inmates, uh, inmate lawyers at Angola. While incarcerated, the women had access to educational and vocational training, but few participated. And in fact, the LCIW leaders disfavored the women attending because their participation in training would not leave enough people to do janitorial work and other other necessary jobs, right? The women did complain about the cost of items in the commissary because they made too little money and the items were priced higher than the products sold outside the prison. Now, that's that's unusual. We'll talk about that for a second. Most times, the stuff that's sold in the commissary is like without taxes and everything else. So it's actually cheaper than outside. So they were getting double screwed on this one, uh, especially when you're making two cents an hour. So there was an inmate council made up of women elected by other incarcerated women, which helped LCIW develop rules for incarcerated women. Most of the other women did not approve, and that was probably out of fear. Louisiana Correctional Institute for Women became what you would truly think of as a correctional institute. The women were given opportunities for vocational trainings. And in 1995, the state received federal approval for its plan to double bunk inmates. That way, the state could transfer state sentenced female prisoners who were being held in parish jails to the women prison. Makes sense because they want that workforce, right? Yep. And in 2014, LCIW was described as being a decrepit facility with squat, whitewashed buildings that is meant to hold uh, 1,098, but was currently holding and bursting the scenes with 1,200 women. Simply to give the women at, at the prison something to do, the administration sends hundreds of them to pool grass or what they call goose picking. Can you imagine that? Goose picking. Uh, they, hey, you got nothing else? This kind of like when you're wow. in the military, they make you move rocks from one pile, one sex thing to the other just to give you something to do. Yeah. Or police the ground, pull grass, pull weeds, whatever. We gave you a little bit about, you know, the early days of LCIW, kind of all the way up to a major event that happened in 2016. And in, it, look, y'all, in 2016, there was what at that time they were calling was a thousand-year flood in the state of Louisiana. Yes, indeed. As a matter of fact, hardest hit right here in Livingston Parish. And 
to go even deeper than that, where we're recording right now was underwater, several feet. Not only that, our our houses were. My house was, and I know yours was, right? Six feet. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I got it all the way to the roof. Um, So it was, uh, you know, but we made it back, and and, uh, that's who we are in this area of the world. But the flood affected several neighboring parishes as well, and that, that included LCIW, which also flooded. About a thousand inmates had to be moved and housed at various lockups, and it even included y'all privately run facilities. Now, the Jetson Center for Youth, which was a deteriorating juvenile prison in Baker, uh, it was actually shut down in 2014 abruptly. Uh, they had a lot of problems there Man, with the some ways. of the youth, and, yeah. and they ended up shutting that place down. Uh, that absorbed some of the female offenders. Uh, as a matter of fact, it ended up being most of them over time. But Jetson absorbed some of them. There were 678 inmates, and they were being housed. It's what at what is known as the C. Paul Phelps Correctional Center. That's in De Quincey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that lockup was shut down in 2012 because uh, the corrections department felt it was too costly to run. Yep. But those, you know, they were kind of being moved all around the state. Hey, shout out to our listener, and I'm not going to say his name. He's from Lafayette, Jim. I forgot to tell you about this. And he used to work at Phelps okay. uh, back in the day, and he was like, y'all stories are so point on. <laughs> he said, I could just have vivid flashbacks all the time, but he lives in Lafayette now, so shout out to you. You know who you are. All right, so back to it. So the Louisiana Transitional Center for Women, a private lockup run by LaSalle Corrections, is housing 221 of the LCIW inmates. At that time, yeah. At that time, that's right. And and 47 of the displaced inmates uh, were being housed at a Boyle's Parish Jail. Another shout-out to the people there that uh, you know who you are. While 39 remained at the Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola, so the – Total is like 985 of them, y'all, that were relocated. And initially, the incarcerated women were going to be moved back to LCIW at St. Gabriel upon a full renovation of the prison. But uh, that went on for years, and eventually the majority of the women were moved temporarily to nearby Hunt's prison and then to Jetson, like Jim told y'all about, where they're still housed today. So LCIW was just... Too ruined, y'all. It was destroyed by the flood um, to renovate. And for all the intents and purposes, the females have been without a home, a main prison home ever since. Yeah. Right? Then in 2021, a new warden was named, and not just any warden, only the second female warden in the history of the prison and the third ever in the state of Louisiana. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to cover an article that was uh released by the Baton Rouge Advocate when this warden was named and and it was kind of a big deal. I mean, she was only the second warden ever at uh LCIW and the third ever in the entire state of Louisiana. And uh that article says a female warden two head flooded women's prison as DOC seeks to increase diversity among leaders. As the State Department of Corrections pushed to create more diverse and inclusive leadership uh, team in an industry historically dominated by white men, officials announced Monday the appointment of a female warden to head the Louisiana Correctional Institute of Women, uh, whose inmates have been displaced temporarily since the 2016 flood. So now we're in 2021. They're still displaced. Um, despite repeated promises to get the project moving, construction hasn't started on a replacement for the flooded St. Gabriel facility, which was declared uninhabitable seven years, several years ago. But officials have said the $100 million project will be worth the wait. In the meantime, the prison will receive its second ever female warden. Kristen Thomas, who was promoted to her most recent position as chief of security at Elaine Hunt Correctional Center, which is a men's prison also in St. Gabriel. It actually uh, neighbored uh, uh, LCIW. Uh, She previously served as mental health coordinator and director at Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola. So there's your there's your tie in Uh, among other positions with the DOC. And she holds a master's in forensic psychology from John Jay College of Criminal Justice. Uh, Thomas said she's excited for the opportunity and plans to uphold the goals of the department, including public safety, reentry program, rehabilitation, etc. And Jimmy LeBlanc, who is the Department of Corrections secretary, said Warden Thomas brings a wealth of experience and knowledge to the position. He said her background aligns her with ongoing efforts to develop a gender responsive correctional program tailored toward the unique needs of females in the criminal justice system. Now, research shows that a large percentage of incarcerated women reports significant psychological trauma in the years preceding their convictions. Experts argue prison systems should address the problem by conducting more research and implementing programs specifically tailored toward helping women recover. LeBlanc said the new women's prison uh, presents a unique opportunity to reimagine for uh, what correction? What corrections will look like for women in Louisiana, which could be a role model for other states. Right. Until then, most female state prisoners are being housed in two temporary facilities: an old building at Elaine Hunt and Jetson in Baker, most in Jetson, uh, which has been closed for years before officials reopened it following the 2016 flood. Women make up a small percentage of the overall state prison's population, about five percent. Um, questions and uns- about unsuitable and overcrowded condition at the temporary facilities arose during the early months of the pandemic. 
when COVID cases among the female prison population spiked nearly overnight. So this was at a time also that she was moved into this position. It was right after COVID, you know, was really ramped up and and uh, so a tough thing for her to take over. And she actually replaced Frederick Boutte, who until recently was the only black warden overseeing a state prison in the state of Louisiana. That changed when corrections announced in June the appointment of Kurt uh, Guerin, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name, uh, at Hunt. A decision came amid outcry from a group of former department executives who complained about the racial disparities in hiring and promotion practices. LeBlanc responded to the criticism by promising to continue pushing for more diversity in leadership roles. So that was from The Advocate and it announced kind of a you know a historic thing there with right. uh, with that female warden, and right. she seemed certainly qualified. Right, seems. right. especially over the um, you know the women's prison, right? Who gets, right, who gets it like that? That's so, right. So, but y'all, then in September of 2022, Louisiana broke ground on a new LCIW, and so um a local paper the plaquemine post y'all know plaquemine be right across the river pretty much from where lciw is they did an amazing job writing about the details and i'm gonna read you from that article okay so it says plaquemine's post south officials break ground for new louisiana correctional institute for women's facility Hailing the end of another chapter from the August 2016 flood, Governor John Bell Edwards joined state and local officials to break ground on new Louisiana Correctional Institute for Women on September 1 in St. Gabriel. Construction for the 280,000-square-foot facility will cost $150 million. Officials suspect completion of the project by mid-2025. The 138-bed facility will include an administration building, medical and mental health building, and will also have Votech training and a postpartum facility. It will be built to withstand a 500-year flood. LCIW has been vacant since the transfer of its inmates to other facilities after the August 2016 flood, which damaged the building. The evacuation forced LCIW to transfer inmates to various institutions, including the once-sheltered Jetson Correctional Center for Youth in Baker, Elaine Hunt Correctional Center, and Louisiana State Penitentiary and other local prisons. The wheels can move very slowly on recovery. A federal bureaucracy is its own create creature, and it has its own timeline, Edward said. FEMA can do stuff really fast in the preparation, but once you move towards recovering, it can be very difficult. Supply chain issues and inflation that arose during and after the pandemic delayed the start of construction. But a first-rate facility remained the goal, Edward said. I am not going to build a second-rate facility, he said. We're going to have a facility that is a state-of-the-art that makes sure we have every opportunity for vocational training and education. And we're going to build it in a way that we don't exasperate flooding problems in this area, Edwards said. I was here in 2016, and I've been at the intersection of East Baton Rouge, Ascension, and Everville Parishes many times when we've had flooding so I definitely know how detrimental a factor it has been here. The state's total prison population is 26,600, and it peaked at 40,854 in 2012. For several months, Louisiana had given up the title of having the highest population in the nation, Everett said. But other states aren't sitting still, and they're making progress as well, he said. But when you look at where we are already, 
we're making significant progress. The new facility will reflect cultural changes that the state has made in criminal justice. It will teach the inmates trades to get them back into the workforce as productive citizens, Edwards said. The facility will provide, provide training for fields ranging from cosmetology to welding and heavy equipment operation, he said. Inmates on probation and parole now total 45,000 after peaking at 73,000 in 2015, which provides a smaller caseload for probation and parole officers, Everett said. Louisiana Department of Public Safety and Corrections Secretary James LeBlanc, a St. Gabriel native, said he remembers the original facility that was completed in the early 1960s. My earliest connection here was at Sunshine High School, now East Everville High School, when it was a school for grades 1 to 12, he said. I remember seeing the woman out there working in the field, and it means a lot to me to see where we are today and offer a much better facility. He also recalled his demise in 2016. The inmates and officials at the facility had to race against the time to evacuate. There was very little warning of the flood, and that was a testament to our ability to react quickly in an emergency situation when as many as 1,000 females left with as many belongings as they carried in a few hours, Law said. Thanks to local partners and our local staff, we made the move for safe, safer housing when water was over the sandbags and pumps. The LWC facility held 985 prisoners at the time of the flood. They experienced flooding ranged from 8 inches in some areas to much as 3 feet in others. All areas of the building took in flood water except for the chapel. In the weeks after the flood, the rainwater inundated the prison and destroyed the facility. It marked the first time in Louisiana history that an entire population of a prison site was evacuated. The building plan for the new facility did not include a chapel. But there's no way I'll let this facility open without a chapel. Edward said, I'll make sure it has one when it opens. He said it was rare for him to be available the last week of August, considering the conditions in late August during the past few years. Normally, this time of year, I'd be a ghost out during a hurricane, Edward said. I'm very thankful this is not the case this year. Yeah. That's all most as the former, now former governor, John Bell Edwards. Yeah, that was from September of 2022. And, uh, you know that's a this is a major major thing this this building is is how many millions you know right. 100 million 150 million, million that's a lot of money yeah and and back when they started these plans it was 100 million so yeah, that tells yeah, it you always goes up. <laughs> it always goes up and then time and you know, I can they, promise you it won't be done in 2025 like they say yeah that's yeah Louisiana. and that's been kind of pushed back several times but eventually that sucker is going to be built and it's going to be really nice and you know it's important we talk about the importance of programs a lot on bloody angola but i think it's especially important to the female prisoners at lciw because y'all you got to keep in mind the majority of those women are getting out right at some point they're getting out of prison they're not lifers like what you see right. at bloody angola most of them right and so the educational programs there uh, create a huge opportunity, not only for these uh, for these female prisoners, but also if you you know if you believe in rehabilitation, uh, that is a, a positive step towards gaining that in these 
these women getting out of prison at some point and actually being able to be productive members of society. They have a skill of some sort. So we're going to cover the educational programming that uh, that you can get. A lot of you may be curious you know, to know what kind of educational programs they offer at LCIW, and they're vast. Uh, they offer, obviously, a basic adult literacy program, which is just what you would think. It's reading and writing program. You would be surprised how many, both female and male prisoners that get incarcerated cannot read or write. That's silly. You know, when you, when you have that situation, it's hard when you get out to to yeah, not only yeah, feel like a job, productive member of society, you can't a bank account. Yeah, I you mean it's it. it's uh it's horrible. So they do offer that. They also uh, offer what they call Abe, which is adult basic education, and it just kind of teaches developmental skills and instructions on the basics of reading and writing. Right. Um, they offer a high school equivalent equivalency GED class, right. basically. Right. Uh, as well, and they offer culinary arts class. So it provides imprisoned women with the knowledge and skills necessary for employment in the food service industry right. after they leave uh, prison. They offer a horticulture class, uh, which obviously is just that florist, yeah. horticulturist, yeah, landscape guy. I'll talk about that for a second. We have a lifer, whose name I'm not going to mention, but she is an absolute OG lifer. And she was in the LCIW, and mm-hmm. she uh, had the horticulture class, and now she runs a huge business. She's absolutely a wonderful love and, and uh, a testament to that if you want to do better with your life, that you can. That's right. Very good point. And, uh, and so that's why these educational and programming classes are so important. They offer an upholstery class, which provides women, obviously, the knowledge and skills necessary in the field of upholstery. Yep. Uh, you get couches uh, or, or upholstery one. in even, vehicles. Even headliners, I was yeah. headliners and vehicles. Another, another lifer who had that class and is employed in that field. Yep. So anyway, y'all – talk about another one and you wouldn't think about this normally with females but i i know this from my plant days and gym i'm sure you've seen it too but although yep. it's a rarity lciw's welding program takes, oh. takes individuals through a welding curriculum providing industry-based cert credentials as the students progress the course is designed to provide hands-on training students are instructed in stick mig and tig welding uh, principles working with steel and various um very various different types of Pipe configurations and materials, y'all. And these the classes last from a year to a year and a half. Students must score at least an 8.0 on the um, TAB test uh, to potentially qualify. So now that's a big deal. If it, you can get out and you become a certified welder, you're going to make a good living. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. A great living. Well, so then there's a reentry program. So the reentry program for each woman begins at intake as needs are determined and goals to be achieved during a incarceration are set. And prior to release, the women complete 100 hours of structured programming geared to prepare the women for reintegration in society. And the topics include writing, interviewing skills, interacting with government agencies, assistance with getting necessary information, parenting, anger management, substance abuse, uh, instructions y'all and i don't know how to do it yeah but uh, <laughs> community agencies also 
present information pertinent to release during this program. So basically, they're trying to get them the uninstitutionalized to go back out and be productive citizens. Right. And so they also offer other program services like program for care, for caring parents. This is a visitation component in which children and grandchildren aged 10 and under are allowed to come onto the grounds on the fifth Saturdays during the year to spend the day with their moms and their grandmothers. Other special family centered events include in, uh, included the program or the annual Easter Easter Children's Day and the Christmas extravaganza. Uh, so y'all women in the prison must enroll the children and grandchildren in advance and be screened for approval, et cetera. And even the teen day is the annual visitation program that allows teenagers 11 to 17 spend a day with basically their mom or their grandmother. Um, I, th- I think that's, that's important, right? Yeah, and, it's hugely and, and, important. So it gives them something to focus on. Now, the parenting program, the Partners in the Parenting Program is a seven week program designed to focus on concepts important for effective parenting, such as communication skills, guidance techniques, and strategies for discipline. The program also focuses on the building skills, providing support, and helping parents understand needs and abilities of children during the different stages of development. Very important, right? Most of these people didn't have good parents when they came up. They have no example to follow. Yeah. All right. So then they have the morals integrity group. Uh, y'all, and this is, big part of the Louisiana Sex Offender Risk Management Project. This group is for adjudicated women who have been convicted of sex offenses. Christina Constance was one of them, and she did this program and got out in 20 instead of 40 years. But uh, the group has a psychoeducational component and a treatment component. Its theoretical foundation is cognitive behavioral and is strongly grounded in relapse prevention. 26-week program allows women to explore the nature of events, thoughts, and feelings related to their sexuality, sexually inappropriate behavior with expectations that the women shifts from maintaining inappropriate behaviors to expressing more appropriate and healthy sexual behavior. To graduate, women must successfully complete each phase, taking both pre-tests and post-tests for each phase, and completing the group and homework assignments and obeying group rules. Some really worthwhile programs there. And then uh, they go on and, look, survivors of domestic violence. Huge, an important, huge for them, yeah. Very, very important uh, part of program for that. Pro- there are a lot of incarcerated right, women right. that are the direct result of domestic violence. Right. A lot of murders, a lot of drug use, yes. a lot of things happening. Maybe they got sick violence. of their husband beating yeah, the shit absolutely. out of them and absolutely. popped him. I have, I've arrested them. Yeah. yeah. So this program, it's a 10-week program and, and helps them to learn how to build healthy relationships, etc. Living in Balance is another program, mm-hmm. which is eight and a half weeks long. Uh, and it, it really just shows how to balance your life and not not rely on drugs and alcohol right. to to kind of hide from that. Right. Um, Faith based programs, they offer tons of those uh, and they're just what you would think. These are programs that work closely with the clergy and, and et cetera. Uh, to use faith to become a better person for the for some of these imprisoned women, uh, big sisters program and an, an orientation program for new people admitted to LCIW. So this is very important uh, when you know you're going in prison for the first time, whether you're a male or female, you have no idea what to expect in most cases. Yeah. Maybe you've never been in prison before. 
Uh, this program is designed to make you feel more comfortable upon entering into the prison system. Right. Uh, organizations for women in prison. Look, they've got a lot of them. The JCs. Uh, they've got the Toastmasters, yep. which is that, uh, also very one. big in Angola. I've seen that. And other, yep. other uh, penitentiaries. Yep. Toastmasters is basically a learning how to speak. Right. Uh, essentially, and and uh, I know a lot of uh, ex-convicts that went through and graduated from the Toastmasters program, and they can speak. Right, yeah, they can <laughs> speak. No doubt about it. Helps it. everything from uh, job searching to even if you know public speaking. Experience. That's right. It, it develops your oral communication skills, your leadership skills, and uh, provides a, kind of a support system for for uh personal growth and, so, and self-confidence right yep and you know they, like in the that culinary arts club provides you know women with the knowledge and skills in the food service industry and look it's everything y'all from organizing menus and budgeting and purchasing the food and preparing and serving quality food which in in, in south louisiana there's restaurants everywhere right yeah uh, it it Teach about nutritional content and food processing, presentation of meals and gourmet cooking and equipment used to do it and sanitation and safety and self-management skills. And it just really helps the members realize their full potential in the world of food service and prepares them for productive citizenships. Basically, get out and get you a good job. All right, y'all, I'm going to talk about this in uh, the two most notable female inmates who are currently incarcerated at LCIW. Well, one of them, I did a series on on Real Life Real Crime Original, and it's about Antoinette Frank. And she is the Louisiana's only female death row inmate, right? Naturally, she's in there. Uh, she killed her. She was a former NOPD officer in New Orleans Police Department, and she killed her her mentor, if you will, uh, um, and two other victims in, in a robbery at a place that she used to guard at nighttime on her days off. And then there's Amy Abair, who I am absolutely about to do on original real life real crimes because I have some knowledge on it. But she is the second most notable inmate and she is in because she's convicted of murdering her two children. Yeah. But she's in for a little more than that. It's how it goes down and you can listen to it on an original real life real crime. Um but, yeah, and, and look, Antoinette Frank in that, in that prison, she is like a queen uh, in the eyes why. of those other inmates. What, what, the, she's not a queen necessarily for killing the cops and everything that she did, but I have knowledge from inside that anytime she sets foot anywhere, they shut down the whole prison. Mm -hmm. No matter where you're at, you're getting real estate or you're getting locked mm -hmm. in a cell. And because they move her from one place to another, and what she got to lose, she's yeah. on death row. Oh, they're gonna execute her, and I believe that. Yeah, and and I know some people with some personal knowledge of her that yep. I'm I can't say right, but right. I will I will say this: um, she, you would never know that she did what she did right. from her attitude in there. Yeah. She she seems very nice. We go to listen to the original Real Life or Crime episode uh, on it, and you know she's very intelligent, mm -hmm. and she joined a, a police program when she was still in high school, and went on and passed everything for the state police, but failed the psychological exam. 
uh, uh, she was very sharp. Athlete, and, and too. Athlete, graduated top of her class in OPD. Yeah. And but she's a bad dude. Bad, I'm talking bad about chick. Bad, bad chick. Bad chick. And, and, she would and be a bad dude she'd too. Be a bad, she's just bad. She's, she's a bad, yeah. bad one anyway. Uh, um, but she's got it. Her she time is coming. It's coming. Yeah. And and uh, so look, we wanted to give y'all, and I'm I'm sure hopefully y'all uh, you know really like this one. Gives you an idea of the programs, a little bit of the history, and a little bit of the upcoming, which hey, is going to be huge for this this uh, the correctional, uh, you know, the women's right, correctional right. in uh, Louisiana. And I want you to think about how far it's come. The one thing we didn't talk about today is the walls. And so mm-hmm. when it when Angola well when the basically Angola started, it wasn't Angola plantation yet. The walls were still in downtown Baton Rouge, and the men and women were housed together. Oh, yeah. And if the women got raped and they had a baby while they were inside became the prison, it became property. a pro- state property, otherwise yeah. a slave, because slavery was illegal. Yeah. Now, right. look at it. Now they have opportunities. And I know, and you know who you are, and I love you to death, and, and um, the, the lifers that – our former inmates from LCIW that are the rock in the world. Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, and so that, I mean, I do believe people can change, but some of them, mm, same point, Frank. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Some people deserve yeah, to be where they're that's at. That's right. Exactly that's right. That's right. So, All right. the Patreon members, we thank y'all so much for your support. And y'all, if uh, you can't be a Patreon member, we get, we love you. And y'all, please continue to like and share the number one history podcast in, in the world. world. That's right. Blessed people. Blessed. Very blessed. Love and appreciate all of you. And until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Everton. Your host of Bloody Angola. A podcast, 142 years in the making. Complete story of America's Hey, Jim, should it be 143 years now? It probably should. Yeah, it was 141 when we started. Yeah. <laughs> or 142 when right, we started. Right. Yeah. Please, the story of America's bloodiest prison. Peace. Peace. I walk a straight line, shackled and chained. Oh, gruesome Gertie is calling my name. There is no mercy in this penitentiary. Just ask the Hill String Gang, Wrangle the Three.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.